Welcome to the Success IQ Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs who want to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 68. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having a fantastic week. We have got a fantastic guest this week who's going to help us navigate through the minefield that is Amazon, and it is Reed Mensa. Now, Reed Mensa is a successful Amazon and online seller who has developed many tools, software, and system strategy to help other Amazon sellers succeed. E-commerce wasn't always Reed's dream. A former oil field inspector who loved his work but hated being away from his family for months at a time. He turned to online work to better his life. E-commerce helps Reed enjoy his other passions like spending time with family and fishing. Fun fact, Reed caught the second largest fish in 2007, a large giant pike. 54 inches, that's massive. That's a shark. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it, it was a uh, uh, once in a lifetime thing for me, anyways. <laughs> so, Reed, it's lovely to have you on the show. Oh, thanks, Jeff. I'm glad to be here. Can you give us a little bit of a background? I mean, obviously, we know you've um, started off as a former oil field inspector, but can you give us a little bit of history that's brought you to this point today? Oh, sure, sure I can. Well, I I can start a lot earlier than that. I've always uh, sort of had an entrepreneur bug. Uh, I I remember the first business I started was when I was 11. Me and a friend, we we read an article in the local paper that talked about people stealing plants from the local grocery stores during the summer. So after, you know, great planning and gathering up of all the necessary color pencils and bits and bobs of paper, we promptly made detective agency signs and we put them up all over the neighborhood, right? <laughs> So you can imagine, we didn't get any calls and email. Boy, that that was like 10 years in the future. I kind of date myself with that. But, (laughs) you know, so you don't have any calls. What's a budding entrepreneur to do? Well, we we decided uh, that the direct approach was the best approach. And so we, we gathered up our best ideas and we walked straight over to the nearest grocery store and asked, uh, almost demanded to talk to the owner. Well, we, you know, we didn't have a clue what we were doing, but you know what? We got our meeting and uh, we told the owner about our plan and, and we thought it was going to be just a complete slam dunk. And after that, the owner, he gave us what we felt as 11 year olds, like a five hour interview. And then he told us uh, uh, that every thief we caught stealing his plants, he'd give us five bucks. And we were we were like over the moon on that. Back then, minimum wage was probably four dollars and twenty five cents. So, yeah. So we got started right away, and we must have sat in that parking lot for two weeks straight, and we never caught a single perp. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> but you know what? That that actually taught me some very real life lessons that that I've continued to use throughout my life. Um, the, the first lesson I learned was that not all businesses are good businesses. And, and, and we looked at, at one newspaper article and saw in bold lettering the words big problem. And for an 11 year old, that's pretty forward thinking, but there, there were some serious underlying issues that we did not account for. And, and I'm a big believer in having the correct data before making any business decisions. 
Um, let's see. Also, while in this case, if we just read the whole article, we would have noted that all of these crimes happened overnight. And as an 11-year-old, my bedtime was 8 p.m. And I was to be home <laughs> no later than 6 p.m. for supper. So, you know, that put a huge kink in the job. <laughs> and and I realized just reading one more sentence or reading the whole article could have saved us two weeks sitting in a in a parking lot looking at uh, plants. So you know the the correct data is key. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But I, I guess the second lesson I learned was <clears throat> that unless you go out and actually ask for what you want you're not going to get what you want. So like, you know, life, it, it's not going to come to you. So you need to go where life hangs out. And, and, and the last lesson I think I learned, and this is honestly, is probably the one that it's stuck with me to this day <clears throat> is that there's always going to be doubters and, and whether it's your family or friends or even the customers you're presenting a product to, there's always going to be doubters. And, and you have to realize that these, these doubters, they, they rarely have you or your business's best interests in mind. These people, you know, they, they typically want something from you. And I realized early on that you just, you can't please everyone. There's, there's people out there that their greatest achievement in life is to watch everything you've built burn down <laughs> you know they, they just love seeing things burn to the ground so you, you have to take these people with a grain of salt yeah 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 uh, and when and, and as you and, and so sort of when you got into the the sort of the oil field inspectors what you loved what you were doing you just sort of realized that you weren't getting the time to see your family as much as you want to <clears throat> what 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 made you turn to the online side? Uh, well, I, I guess, you know, fast forward to 2014, and I, I decided to jump into selling private label products on Amazon. Uh, um, I kind of I took data analysis to the extreme, and I began to develop my own in-house software to analyze opportunities and, and physical products, uh, uh, you know, in the, in that space. But but I left the oil patch because I was away from home at times three months in a row. And, and I wasn't able to come home and see my family. I missed out on uh, all of the, the best parts of, of my children's life. And, and it was a sad thing. So now I get to do something that I love and I get to do it uh, and be home every single day. It's, it's just honestly, it's been it's been great. Yeah, I can imagine. So let's dive into the, the the Amazon minefield. And um, so, what area uh, do you sort of specialize in when it comes to this? Well, in our consultancy, we we uh, really specialize in, in the overall uh, uh, procedures and and stuff when it comes to Amazon. But where we really like to set ourselves apart is is just having the most accurate data. And I really, I'm going to emphasize this, I think, a lot uh, during this episode is that the correct data is key. And so if you are not basing all of your business decisions on the correct data, or you don't have the tools to gather that data, or if you know, you're just taking uh, um, data from a, a a moment in time, then you're you're kind of doing your business a disservice. So where we specialize is, is just 
making business decisions based on accurate and relevant data. Okay. So when you talk about the the tools and strategies for for a lot of the audience listeners, they own their own business. They are um they some of them are information sellers, some of them um have other different types of businesses where you know they sell widgets if you if you will. Um and Amazon could be a great opportunity for them. Maybe they're just coming into that. Where whereabouts would they start collecting that data from? in order to make the right decisions and the right judgment calls? Okay, well, I, I mean, on that note, there there are a few places, and you got to be careful because it, just in the past year or so, there's been an explosion of software products uh, okay. come out in the industry. Right. And, and, you know, there's some good ones out there, but there's a lot of information out there from people who are developers you know they're not sellers they're not successful they're just giving you numbers but they don't truly understand the fundamentals of how they they combine to to make say a great product or a great selling strategy okay 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 and i suppose one of the one of the important things for um once you sort of got that data is how you show up on Amazon. So I'm assuming something like list optimization or or something like that. Is there any advice that you could give people to help them show up um or be a um be more effective when they when they do that? Absolutely, I sure can. So obviously we have there, a software. Now there's a there's a confident voice. I like oh, that. Yes. I like that. <laughs> Okay. Uh, <laughs> now we mean business. <laughs> well, and, and honestly, this is this is what we do. We have we have our own software developed to do it. We we consult on it. So here are the real basics of it. One, have great photography. Don't use your iPhone and take a picture in your bathtub with uh, with the fluorescent lights on. Send that out to a professional. Get make that main image really pop and stand out from from everyone else and that is key number one the the second thing that you want to do to optimize your listing is your title now over the past about year amazon has sort of flip-flopped on on what they are talking about when it comes to uh optimizing titles but there's something in amazon called indexing and amazon indexes singular terms and that's what it recognizes your product as. So there's certain placement of terms on an Amazon listing that you need to put them in for Amazon to recognize this is your product. It relates to this keyword. So we're going to be able to show it in when someone types in this search term. So the keys here are that your title indexes 100% and you want to put your most important terms within the first five words of your title and then your bullet points which are directly typically directly under your uh, title on a desktop computer they are uh, in a little bit of a different place on a mobile phone but you're you're going to index about 70 to 80 percent of those terms um, um, so you want to really, uh, 
you want to tailor your bullets to be more of a exciting. You want to build excitement about your product. You want to solve a problem, right? Yeah. 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 So not, not kind of, not, not boring traditional stuff because that's not going to show up as much as something that's going to be a little bit more titillating would be the word I would use. It's something that drives you towards that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Solve, solve the problem. And, and here's, here's the main thing, you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, business owners nowadays, they, they, and, and I may actually, uh, uh, some people may disagree with me on this, but it's my feeling that if you are trying to do uh, uh, um, personal reflection on how to better your business, then you better be focusing on the business. Uh, I, and really, I, I, you need to stop. You need to think about your customers and what they want, because the moment you stop thinking about that is the moment that you really stop doing business. The customers are your business. Yeah. Yeah, because too many too many people start thinking about what they would what they would put, rather yes. than actually what is it that your what is it that my customer would be searching for, or what is it that my customer is looking for, rather than what they think that they would be doing. And I suppose that comes down to research, customer service, uh, customer yeah. um, surveys, and those sort of things. Absolutely, absolutely, and of course, uh, there's tools out there and of course we have one but where you just search how many people are actually searching for that term because what you think they're searching for people just may not be searching for yeah and i suppose you can get trapped in that um that dangerous bit of you you don't think they'll be looking for something that simple because you know you know it yourself there's a lot of information sellers get stuck in that you know, they, they, they kind of like if it's something about stress and they teach something like a breathing exercise, which they just take for example, for granted, someone can go, oh, my God, that was that was completely life changing. And it's because yes. you've taken it for, for granted. They don't really think about that. Absolutely. And I struggle with that actually every day myself. You know, it's it, it, it's difficult uh, um, to really stay focused. Okay, is there anything else? Oh boy! Any, well, any other magic magic ones? <laughs> well, uh, I I mean, for my myself and and our companies, we do drive a lot of outside traffic into Amazon. Um, there was a point where you could use PPC to really get your ranking up, and and it's still an effective way to do that, but. Coming in from the outside and bringing in your own uh, uh, clients, building up your own email list for a launch and stuff—they're really important. You know, you got to get momentum. So that's uh, uh, something that's really changed in in the past year. You know, if it's stopping uh, people have stopped looking internally and and have really spread their wings, really to to go outside of Amazon to find those those sales and that and that momentum. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I mean, it's interesting, even when you were talking back about the imagery, is because it's amazing. I mean, it still baffles me, not only on Amazon, but also on things like eBay and those sort of things, how many completely diabolically rubbish photographs people use to try and flog something. Oh, it's, absolutely. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I mean, sometimes I don't even think they're using modern technology. I think they're using the one where they put a black cloak around their heads and say, just stay still. Because some of them are just unbelievable. 
but it's it's yeah. an it's it's a good point because if you're trying to sell something which initially has to be look good then it would make sense to make sure that the imagery is good as well it's the only thing that a, a customer on amazon has to judge clicking into your listing on is that initial photograph so uh, yeah okay. it's very very important so um just before we go into the the second part of the show can you give me more information on the the software that you've developed what how, what does that do how does that how does that help well the one is specifically developed to optimize your listing and to get you ranked so we bring you through uh from the keyword research to uh, the the way you should actually build your listing to get indexed for the most uh, terms so that Amazon will recognize you and put them out there. We also have ways of once you have that indexing all those terms of combining them to find the best advertising. Uh, we call it sponsored uh, ads for Amazon what terms you need to advertise for. So that's the one. But the other one that we're pretty excited about is, um, and uh, and I think I'll talk about this a little bit later, but I, I said before that I'm really into um, uh, the correct data. And, and what we did with the other software is we see lots of, uh, you know, the, the tools back, back, uh, a while ago were pretty rudimentary at best. And honestly, their data, it, it lied to me and it, and it really frustrated me to see so many Amazon sellers get taken advantage of that way. Uh, you know, I use these services, but it, I could almost prove daily that the data given was false. And even to this day, you know, the data is a little bit off. So we developed something where if you're thinking about if you have an idea for a new product that you want to put on Amazon, how do you know if it's actually going to be worth it? Well, we've got a program that pulls out all the actual data and you're, you can track it for a while uh, and you can get the data and we give advice. If, is this a good product? Where could you make it better? Uh, how are you going, how much do you have to spend to get in there? Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. 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 Well, we will dive into the second part of the show. So this is where I get an opportunity to put you on the hot seat. So hopefully you're ready for, oh for the question time. It's nothing. It's 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 just a mild torture. You don't okay. Have to, you don't have to worry anything. Okay. Question number one is how much time a week do you spend on self-development? Boy, I would say, I guess I would say about four hours per week that that's like taking online courses or or a lot you know even jumping into a competitor's webinar that's that's a form of personal development and like i said before i base all my personal development on business related things i i um um i i have a little bit different measure uh, of what that development is but a lot of what i do is is i'm in a group a small group of of peers who are around my skill level are over and we always you know all day every day we're always trying to answer those questions and and i really would say to um uh your listeners that you need to find that peer group it doesn't have to be huge but it has to be at your level or above because if you're talking to it, it feels good to give advice to people that are just starting out and and this and that but 
those aren't the people that are going to help your personal development. You have to be around your peers. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Great advice. Great advice. Okay, question number two is, what is your favorite personal development book and why? Okay, well, that would have to be The One Thing by Gary Keller. And uh, yeah, yeah, you know, and and I really, I live my life by that. Uh, it teaches you about the, the 2080 principle. Um, I'm not sure if your listeners are familiar with that, but basically what they say is you, you should spend all of your time on the 20% of things that make you 80% of your money or get you, I shouldn't say money, but it, it gets you 80% of what you're looking for. Don't do it the other way around, right? Um, uh, and, and it also talks a lot about why why multitasking uh, it, it, it is wasteful because you, you spend time moving from one thing to, and, and in this world, you'll see uh, it, people really want to multitask, but what happens to that five or, or 10 minutes in between tasks that you keep jumping into is that you just, it compounds throughout the year. And at the end of the year, you've spent so much of the time that you could have spent doing what you actually have to do uh, by by just moving between the different things. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, um, I've read one thing. Um, the one I prefer is um, essentialism. Um, right. I don't know why, because they basically both say the same thing. But it, it's so true. There's there's a there's a serious point of you know increasing your performance by getting that one thing done, rather than. Yes spreading everything over and just realizing that you're just taking a bite out of you know a thousand cakes rather than going well I'm just going to get that thing done and then I don't have to worry about it anymore and I think you're right that because I think of the way that we consume information now we we are sort of this multitasking well and, and not in a good way we're this multitasking beast that just thinks that we can consume and we have this arrogance at things that we can do that, and actually our brain just cannot. You know, some people yeah. can handle it better than others, granted, but ultimately you are you cannot absorb, and you cannot do that many things because your brain can just cannot just can't function like that. And people just have to need to sort of step back and go, okay, I just need to get that done, rather than panicking that they're missing on that opportunity or they're missing on something else. Get it done, get it out, and get it off, and that you know, and move on. So it's such a, such a great book. Okay, number three, what is your favorite app? <laughs> well, uh, honestly, I'm going to sound pretty uh, cliche here, but my favorite app is Skype. Uh, yeah, you know, Skype, it's opened the world to businesses in a huge way. You can talk, you can send messages and attachments. You can share, you know, you can share screens and it, it, it's, and it's all in an easy and a meaningful way. And, and the, in, the interface is, is, it's understandable. And it basically, in my opinion, it single-handedly started the virtual worker era. You know, uh, it, it, it allowed us to not be, uh, centralized. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I loved about it, love about it, is is um is the Skype numbers. So you don't you can have a local number, but it doesn't have to be physical to your building. It's just the fact right. that you know someone can ring you up, and they could ring my local number, and I could be sitting in a on a beach enjoying the sun in Spain, 
and they won't know any different. And I um, I love that fact that you can have that mobility, but not have the but not you know not have that cl- your clients or prospects realize that. I think that oh. it, it, it has its pros and cons. Don't get me wrong. And managing your own personal space and time is important, people. But it, it does allow that sort of freedom to move around with your business. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's opened my business up uh, ten thousand times. It truly has. Cool. Okay. Question number four is: What's your biggest business mistake, and what did it teach you? Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I think. Um, I guess I could say that one of my biggest mistakes was that I followed my dreams instead of following solid and accurate data. You know, I, I, I never guess anymore. I don't do that. Uh, and, and, and sometimes I, I think that those that guess, uh, uh, they, or they quote unquote, think outside of the box, you know, 80 out of a hundred times that, that, that sort of mentality is going to fail. There's a there's a famous quote actually from uh, Sun Tzu. I think it says the the expert in battle seeks his victory from strategic advantage. He, he, you know he doesn't de- demand it from his his men. He already knows and he already has the advantage uh, of strategy. And, and another quote actually from uh, Peter Drucker. It says if you can't measure it you can't improve it so data is key and on amazon if you're not using data to prove out your strategy then you're pretty much dead in the water even even before you start yeah and it's it's i have to admit for transparency purposes it was one of the things i even for my business when i started off you know i i just wanted to help people and it was that's what my mission was but it wasn't until i stopped and went okay, we need to look at the business side of it and what are the facts and figures and, and those sort of things. And even when you look at, you know, even from a podcast point of view, it's looking at the data that, that you've got me saying data. Now we're in England, data. Um, ah, oh, because, sorry. No, 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 I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. It's a language uh, barrier. Don't worry about it. But it's, right. you know, it's one of those things that you you look at the podcast and you go, well, in order for me to grow the podcast, I need to look at the data and just see what's what's going on. And it's it, it it's it's something that is so important, but quite often it's miss it's overlooked, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and also patience. You know, those uh, mm. I used to be impatient, and and those who can't wait or mm. who can wait, they often do better in life. You, you yeah. know, don't don't use moment in time uh, data to make mm. decisions. Be, yeah. you know be patient and track the data over over time yeah. um yeah no it's wise words wise words read okay question number 5 is what are your challenges in ba- now i'm not going to use banting because uh, uh, someone phone um phoned me who listens to the show and also a good friend of mine who listens to the show told me to um suggested i change the wording to this so what are your challenges in harmonizing between work and life and how do you manage them? Well, compared to working in the oil patch, the, yeah. this part of, of my uh, yeah. um, harmonizing is a cakewalk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. practically <laughs> you know? you're a Buddhist monk. You just, exactly. you just did it. Yeah, I can imagine. 
<laughs> you know, it's it, it, it's such a huge step to move uh, move away from being away for three months uh, at a time to being home every day. You really mm. you you can't beat that type of freedom. No, no, you can't. And how do you balance? Because obviously, you love what you do. So yes. one of the one of the interesting things is, and you know, I'm the same. Is it's knowing when maybe not switching off isn't the right word, but knowing when to tone it down and pay attention to the family and then vice versa. Cause that also can be a challenge when you love being home. It can be a huge challenge in wanting to be around your family, but knowing that you've got work to do, how do you, how do you manage that? Uh, once again, we go back to the one thing it's all about focus and it's about discipline and, and, and habit. I'm not sure if you know, it's like humans have about 4,000 thoughts a day or that like, that's a new thought every 14 seconds. And, and, and it, and a lot of people believe that willpower, it, it, it's all this all encompassing thing and you can always have it, but willpower has a limited battery life. It, it, It really does. You know, you can't just keep drawing from it. So what you really have to do is take your willpower or discipline and, and match it up with, with habit. So, um, you know, a lot of people say it takes about 60 days to create a habit. So you have to get yourself into those habits and it can take more or less, but you have to get yourself into those habits for when your willpower battery runs out and you, you use yeah, you use both of those together and and you really focus on your family when you need to focus on your family, then you focus on your business when you need to focus on your business. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Okay. Okay, so next question is what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? Oh, no pressure there. Yeah, well, uh, I think it it would be base your business decisions on facts once again and and I'm really going to nail on that. I, I would say, you know, take the time to jump in, say Udemy and take a $15 statistical analysis course. Uh, there's a course in there, you know, it's, it's called the, I think the workshop in probability and statistics by George Ingersoll. Anyways, this guy, he's, he's got an MBA and a PhD in this and I, I mean, the course is 22 hours long, but there's other courses in there and it only costs $15. Like you can basically get trained by a PhD for 22 hours for $15. You just can't beat that. And, and I think that people, it, it, it's hard to uh, understand the data, especially, you know, and I say that from only my own perspective and your listeners all have their own perspective. You know, maybe some are, you know, they have a a massage studio, maybe others have yoga studios and you think I really have to be in touch uh, uh, with my inner self and stuff like that. But if you don't run a business effectively that can actually be uh, uh, profitable, then all of that means nothing because you have to keep the doors open. Yeah, no, fantastic, excellent. Okay, the uh, question number seven is: What is your definition of success? In the well, I guess I'll just stick to the to the consulting and software development side. Okay, I, okay. I define success as increasing or compounding a client's return on investment. 
Okay. I, I'm not a very introspective person. And, okay. and, okay. Uh, but that know, can so be I taken really... in many different ways, can't it? Because, yeah. because even if we look at it from an inward point of view, it's about growth. Yes, you know, so absolutely. so so you know, to positively impact yourself to, and allows you to grow makes would make the same, you know, the characterization. You're just looking at it from the from that software business point of view. So that, mm. so yeah, that makes complete sense. Excellent. Great. Okay, so life lesson time. So you get a chance to pick a number between one and fifty, and we see what number and life lesson that pops up on, and then we will open that as a discussion point. So. Pick a number between a one and fifty. Well, I gotta pick my age, forty. Forty. Ah, okay. This is be wary of labels. So one of the things that um I learned when I was recovering from my illness was there's so many people that like putting either labels on themselves. Um, you know, for example, I was I had many labels on myself when I was recovering from illness from useless, stupid, you know, guilty, all sorts of different things. Um and those labels, especially if they start af- affecting your identity, can be extremely destru- destructive and limiting. And it's about when you and also what I think you've got to be very careful is is putting labels on other people because you don't know what their life experiences are. You don't know whereabouts and what they are going through at that current time. And I think by having an awareness and a a level of mindfulness about what you are saying about yourself and what you are saying about others helps you to be a better person. And what I was wondering is what you thought about that. Well, I I think that it's very true. And and it kind of goes back to, uh, there, there's doubters out there, and, and these people, they, they're not looking out for your best well-being, and, and they can really layer on you as, as you see it come in daily, daily. They can really make you believe what they're saying, and I, I think that's sort of uh, in, in, in conjunction with your what you're saying about labels. Is that a lot of outside influences? Br- tell you what you label yourself and and you need to be very wary of that don't let outside influences other than data uh uh justify yourself labeling labeling yourself as in in one way or another yeah i like that okay brilliant cool okay so the floor is now yours um, tell us how we can find out more about you. Tell us how um, we can get hold of you on social media. And we'll also put the um, information on the show notes as well. Okay. So I can be reached a lot of ways, but I, I actually, I set up a specific page uh, and we got some great free items for your listeners. So if if you go to azanalyzer.com, and that's AZ as in Amazon, azanalyzer.com forward slash success IQ. Then you can find a great checklist that it helps you differentiate your offerings from all of the other offerings in your particular marketplace. It, it gives you vertical and horizontal thought processes that, that they're, they're going to show you how you can successfully differentiate your company's offerings from everyone else in there and then there's also some free expanded trial links of our different 
offerings. And these expanded trials, they give you, you know, extra time or the, or they also give your listeners more functionality that uh, than what we present to the public. And uh, lastly in there, and I would love to offer uh, folks a personal consultation on pretty much any part of their business. Um, and you can just go in there and click the link and set up uh, a time to have a chat. And I know that that people, they get a little concerned doing this sort of thing. They have, well, you know, they have self-doubt. They think that they're, you know, maybe their problem doesn't warrant a talk or or they think that, you know, it's going to be a sales pitch. Well, I can promise you that there, there there's no problem too big or, or small and and. And I'll give you my word, I won't sell you anything. I don't sell courses or anything. I'm not going to sell you anything. Just come on in, have a chat if you got an issue, and we can just, you know, work it out. Brilliant. Excellent. Thank you very much. I mean, that I'm grateful for that. So that's azanalyzer.com forward stroke success IQ, yeah? Yeah, that's Br- correct. Brilliant. Okay. I'll put that on the show notes, and that's um, very grateful for that, Reed. Reed, it's been great having you on the show. Thank you so much, Jeff. I appreciate it. It's been absolutely fantastic, my friend, and I'm wishing you the greatest success. You look after yourself. Uh, You too. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening, and it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast, and that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you'd have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.